the Bible. It's the Word of God, sharper than any two-edged sword. This sacred book is living and active and contains all that's needed for life and godliness. Stay with American Family Radio for the next hour as we study God's Word and take your Bible questions. Welcome to Exploring the Word. Every word of God is pure. He is a shield unto them that put their trust in Him. Add not unto his words, lest he reprove thee, and thou be found a liar. Now that's from Proverbs 30, verses 5 and 6. And indeed, every word of God is pure. And this is Exploring the Word, where we look at the Scriptures every day. And so honored that you're listening to the program today. We invite you to turn to Proverbs 30 in the Old Testament, God's Book of Wisdom, the Book of Proverbs. And Bert Harper and I will... uh, study along together. Then later in the show, we'll take your telephone calls, your Bible questions. So you've picked a great day to be a part of Exploring the Word, folks, and we're deeply honored that you're with us. Bert, uh, Proverbs 30 a little bit uh, changes gears here because we've been reading the Proverbs of Solomon, but today these are the words of of Agur, A-G-U-R, if I'm pronouncing that correctly. It is, and I could tell a difference. I mean, as I was reading along, and you get to chapter 30, and you see it presented in a little different way. It's not as, uh, the, there's more listing than there are. This whole chapter is is about three things, but four, three, but four, two things. And uh, he begins to list those things that are that are great and, and majestic, those things that are foolish. And uh, But there's still a lot of learning here. But it starts off in verse 2 in a really unusual way. Now, I'm reading from the new uh, King James Version. It says, surely I'm more stupid than any man and do not have the understanding of a man. I neither learned wisdom nor have I knowledge of the Holy One. Uh, he's kind of self-depreciating himself into a category. Uh, he, he just doesn't measure up in wisdom. Uh, Alex, uh, not that necessarily use those words, but we need to have that in saying, listen, our knowledge, our wisdom is limited, and we need help from the Holy One. We don't have his knowledge. We are man, and we're not God. Although his language is a little bit different, we still need to have that kind of spirit in us, you know? Yeah, a humility. And and you know what? It's... um. Every now and then you'll hear somebody say something like, um, you know, I'm not the smartest man in the in the room, but I do know this much. It's almost like he's saying that. Now, Agar, the son of Jacob, uh, it's interesting. Uh, A-G-U-R, Agar, means gathering. Now, he was the son of somebody named Jacob, and uh, Jacob is an interesting name, and it means, it is said to mean, uh, well, I had it right here a second ago, um, well, I'll I'll come back to it here. Uh, but thing names mean things. A hearkening, listen. Okay, Agur means gathering. Jacob means listening, listening. And even though Agur is saying, "Look, I'm not the smartest man, and I don't have the understanding. I'm neither learned nor do I have the knowledge of the holy." But I do know this. And uh, just as we're to gather these truths, we're to hearken to them, as his dad's name said. Uh, we look at these, and uh, there, there's, as with every chapter of Proverbs, there's some famous stuff here. Every word of God is pure. By the way, knowledge of the holy, Proverbs 30, verse 3, that's one of the those verses, and that was also in Proverbs 9, verse 10, that inspired A.W. Tozer for his famous book, Knowledge of the Holy. Yeah, it is. Uh, um, we are not to add to the Bible, verse 6, Um it's interesting, unless God exposes us as a liar, Bert, there have been people that have added to the Word, there have been people that have tried to take away from the Word of God. Um, tampering with the Scriptures, the Bible takes it, the Lord takes it uh, very seriously, doesn't he? He does, and verses 5 and 6, are they need to be highlighted in your Bible. You could even take them, and a lot of people put them on cards, you know, index cards and carry them around. Do they memorize them? And which is not a bad, some people put it on posty notes. And this is one of those that I, I would declare it needs that every word of God is pure. Now think about that pure. There's no mixture. 
uh, one of the things that uh, a lot of, especially Southern Baptists, that you and I both uh, are, we, we say there's no mixture of error. And uh, it right. is pure. Note, it's not defiled. A shield to those who put their trust in him. Look at that word trust. We're talking about salvation here. Do not add to this word. Do not add to your salvation as well. Since they're talking about uh, the word of God, and then they're talking about the trust of the Lord, do not add to this. You're, you know, we're saved by grace through faith. Uh, now, that'd be the New Testament. Would Paul would say that. But when we hear these words, you put your trust in the Lord and him only, uh, it carries that meaning. And lest he reprove you and you be found a liar. God's word stands the test of time. It is Amen. even already settled in heaven. It's already been declared. But real quickly, I did want to say just a word about uh, verse 4, Alex. It, does that did, When you read it, did it make you think of the book of Job? You, yeah. you know, when oh, God goodness, starts yes. asking Job the questions there in the latter part of the chapters of Job, yes. and here uh, the writer makes me, I, I, when I read that, I said, man, that's so much like Job. And what does that mean? Great questions, good verbalized questions can really help us because uh, who can answer them but God? Who told the the you know the oceans to go just so far you know mm-hmm. and so verse four I could not help but I was praising the Lord that man God you're the one that has the answers we sure don't well Amen the good stuff really good stuff uh, it is a lot like Job who you know who has ascended up to heaven you know there are things only God knows that we don't know um, <laughs> this is just good good common sense in verse 8 remove far from me vanity and lies okay give me neither poverty nor riches (laughs) feed me with food convenient for me or suitable appropriate now why not why should we not uh desire poverty or riches why should we be willing to say like agar here lord i'm going to let you determine my life because lest i be full and deny thee and say, who is the Lord, verse 9, or lest I be poor and steal and take the name of my God in vain. By the way, isn't that something to uh, equate stealing, and a lot of, lot of theft goes on, but with blaspheming God's name? Isn't that something? It is. Now, Alex, I think that follows the, the prayer he prays in verse 8, give me neither poverty nor riches. Those that are, are rich, yeah, those that rich, uh, you remember what it says? It's easier for a, a camel to go through the eye of the needle than a rich man enter into the kingdom, into heaven. Uh, rich men or people tend to think, what do I need? I, I can buy them away. And then poverty uh, tends to bring, oh, man, you, uh, it, you wonder where God is. Yes, you trust God, but if you're not careful, you'll take things into your own hands and you could do it. So I, I think he is talking, and you said it well with satisfaction where where God has. And uh, so, but then it turns, like you said in verse 9, lest I be full and deny you and say, who is the Lord? Or lest I be poor and steal. And and Mm -hmm. the whole idea is here, uh, I feel so full of myself that I would deny God because I'm wealthy or I'm so poor that I would steal. So Lord, Mm -hmm. give me satisfaction. That goes back to what Paul said. I've learned to be satisfied with wherever I am in prison or free. Uh, I, I'm, you know, whether I have money that's coming in from the church at Antioch, from the church at Philippi, and I have plenty, or whether I'm, I don't have anything, and I'm having to to build tents, and that's the only way I'm surviving. Lord, let me be satisfied with my lot in life that you have given me with my gifts. Yes, uh, there, and there's just so much wisdom here about living not only a stable life, but a godly life. Accuse not a servant unto his master, lest he curse thee, and thou be found guilty. Um, huh. Let me let me just say this, uh, and we could elaborate a lot on this, but there's a lot to be said for minding one's own business, <laughs> y- y- you know? Um <laughs> Um, if you go to your supervisor to snitch on somebody else, it might backfire on you. 
Now, verse 11, there's a generation that curses their father and doth not bless their mother. There's a generation that are pure in their own eyes and yet is not washed from their filth, uh, filthiness. There's a generation, oh, how lofty are their eyes and their eyelids are lifted up. There's a generation whose teeth are as swords, their jaw teeth as knives to devour the poor from off the earth and the needy from among men. Now, these four verses, 11, 12, 13, and 14, talk about a generation coming along, and it it could be uh, almost cyclical in any culture, but I think it's very descriptive of the world as it is today. Rough, brutal, uh, not loving family, not honoring father and mother, but this is a generation that has lost their moral compass. They have. And again, uh, this is always the possibility. That's why, uh, again, this goes back, although this is uh, Agur uh, and it's not Solomon, what would Solomon do? He was talking about the father passing on to the sons the faith. And it's talking about the sons and daughters receiving that faith from their mother and their dad. And here it seems like this is a generation some way they did not receive it or refused it. It was not given to them, and they did not have it. And so I, I do believe that although it's a different writer, same Holy Spirit, Alex, and, and it's driving home the importance of the, the faith that we're to share with our children, our grandchildren, that we are to, to make much of trying to put them in. That's why you you do what you do each summer with the, the youth that come to your camp mm-hmm. and learn that they can depend upon the Word of God. There's answers for the Darwinian thought that's being propelled through every avenue the world can give us, that there is a difference and we can know truth. So I, I think this really is really compounding the need for that wisdom and truth to be shared with the next generation, Alex. Well, and yes, uh, verses 15, 16, and really 17, uh, they talk about, for one thing, something that is is no life, has no life, and in fact, the life is drawn out of it. The, the leech has two daughters crying, give, give. There are three things that are never satisfied. Okay, a leech, you know, is just... Um, Uh, sucking the life out of something, because life is in the blood, right? All right, but like this, there are four things never satisfied. The grave, the barren womb, the earth with no water, and a fire that never says it's enough. You know, in uh, Waldo Canyon in Colorado, there was a terrible fire nearly a decade ago, and it I mean, it took houses, forests, businesses, uh, life. I mean, the fire doesn't discriminate, right? All right. Just like the grave, there's no life in it. And the tragedy of infertility, the barren womb. Uh, earth, where there's no water and no vegetation. It's a desert. It's the parched land and the fire. And, and these things are never satisfied. Now, in a similar way, verse 17, the eye that mocks his father and despises to obey the mother, the ravens of the valley shall pluck it out and the young eagles shall eat it. Imagine like birds picking clean a carcass. All right, death, um, destruction, that's where there's been the abandonment of God and the loss of truth. We're in Proverbs 30, and uh, it's a different kind of chapter if you've been keeping up with us. And we're going to come back and we're going to finish it. And I still think you'll find it intriguing as we finish chapter 30. Let's see, if something costs less, but people are happier with it, that sounds like something to look into, and that's MediShare. Maybe you've heard switching to MediShare to pay for healthcare can save the typical family 500 bucks a month, and that's huge, but it's also true that people are way more satisfied after making the switch, too. The customer satisfaction rate for MediShare is double that of the typical health insurance plan, double MediShare works. It's been around for more than a quarter century, and members have shared more than $3 billion of each other's bills. People love having telehealth and a huge nationwide PPO network. So, yeah, you can save a ton and like it better. Imagine being happy with how you're taking care of your health care. So if you're self-employed or part of the gig economy or you just want to plan you're happy with, you can call right now and get a price within two minutes 
Very, very smart use of two minutes. Here's the number you need. 833-44-BIBLE. That's 833-44-BIBLE. 833-44-BIBLE. Even though we live in this world, the Bible tells us not to be conformed to it. Dr. Tony Evans says there's a lot of meaning in that word, and he'll unpack it for us today as we spend two minutes with Tony. The Greek word conform is used of a potter manipulating clay, creating something with the clay. Squeezes it here, presses it there, shapes it around here, so that now you wind up with a cup, saucer, plate, bowl, because of how they've shaped or conformed the clay. It has to do with external pressure in order to formulate what you have in mind with the clay. When the Bible talks about the world, it is talking about that system headed by Satan that leaves God out. For example, if I said the world of finance, you know, I'm talking about anything in a system having to do with money. If I talk about the world of fashion, you know, I'm talking about anything that has to do with clothing and attire. If I talk about the world of sports, you know, I'm talking about anything that has to do with athletics. Whether it's facilities, personalities, resources, that's the world. It's a system that's designed to focus on a central theme. We become worldly when we kick God to the curb in order to satisfy the broader society. Changing worlds often starts by going back to square one in your faith. Check out Tony's CD series, Divine Reset, available online at TonyEvans.org. Then join us next time for Two Minutes with Tony. Welcome back to Exploring the Word on American Family Radio. Welcome back to Exploring the Word. Proverbs 30 is what we're studying today. And uh, we've been going through these verses very quickly and good. They, they're, uh, but what's amazing is we, we, they're, they're set up in groups, three things that are liked, four things that are dangerous. But I did want to go back to 15, just say one word about it. This is kind of unusual. Uh, the leech has two daughters crying, give, give. Now, as I was looking, I said, why the leech? Because, and Alex, you was talking about sucking the blood up. It sucks on both ends. Uh, of mm-hmm. the leech, just just not one end, and yeah. uh, it, it it sucks. It would suck the very life out of you, is and that's what it's given. It sucks the very life out of you. It's and unpleasant to think about, it, isn't it? It is not. And so, what you're talking about the grave, the barren womb, we're talking and water uh, not satisfied. The earth, you know, the whole thing is that you have life. Uh, be careful about death. It is and. And so these are three things that are never satisfied. Uh, Again, be satisfied. I think it goes back to what Paul said. I know I'm relating that quite a bit. But he said, I have learned whatever condition or state that I am to be content. Notice what he uses. He says, I've learned that. That's not natural. That is supernatural through the power of the Holy Spirit. So when you see these three and four things and you put them to our life and and not just look at that, but, you know, expand on what's this writer getting at that speaks to me, uh, it it has to do with trust in the Lord because, matter of fact, it goes back to what it said about trusting the Lord and knowing who he is in verse 5. Put their trust in him. When you put your trust in him, there's satisfaction. And that brings us again to verse 18. These are three things which are too wonderful for me, yes, for which I do not understand. The way of an eagle in the air, the way of a serpent on a rock, the way of a ship in the midst of the sea, and the way of a man with a virgin. And and so, Alex, these are talking about things, relationships. is talking about majestic. But notice, have you noticed 
uh, I, and I forgot, I was reading several different commentators and looking at it, but they said, uh, it seems he's majoring on that which is wild and the woman. In other words, WW, I thought that was kind of funny. But the eagle, wild, you know, the, the way of a serpent, wild, in the midst of the sea, which can, you know, the wind blowing, you catch that wildness there. Oh, yeah. And, and he is kind of, the, the writer here is, uh, I, I would say he's really examining these things. In a, in a, I think he may have been a student of Solomon because Solomon was a student oh, yeah. of those things, you know. Exactly. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And, you know, Solomon, you read about how he studied uh, animals. I mean, he was a Renaissance man before there was such a word, wasn't it? He was. But, um, you know, uh, it, it talks, again, there's another warning about an adulterous woman. And verse 21, I've got my old King James with me. It says, for three things, the earth is disquieted or troubled, or the, the word is really perturbed, and for which it cannot bear. It's interesting. There are plenty of things. The word there, King James says, disquieted or perturbed. It really means rattled or agitated. Uh, what, what things agitate this world? Well, um, a servant when he's put in charge, you know. A fool when he is filled with meat, says verse 22. I mean, you know, uh, got a got a full stomach, and I think the implication is sudden authority, without the maturity and the morality to go with the authority. Yeah, I think you're uh, right. The servant, well, I'm going to show you know a servant. I'll show them. I, that's exactly the thought, Alex. You're right on, man. It's like, hey, I'm in charge now. Yeah, you know, hey, it's fine for promotion, but very often uh, there needs to be a growing maturity and self restraint. And, and wisdom along with promotion. An odious woman or argumentative, cruel woman when she's married. A handmaid that is heir to her mistress. So you've got, is not, not, again, nothing wrong with people being promoted, but if you go too quickly from the, uh, the, the mistress to the matriarch, maybe you're not ready for that. Uh, there be four things which are little upon the earth, but they're exceedingly wise. Now, I think Bert, twenty-four and following. When I was a when I was a child, boy, I love these verses. <laughs> this is a science class, isn't it? I mean, verses. Well, it is. Yeah, really. And is. and you've got these these contrasts of people made in God's image with a mind and a soul doing foolish things, and then you've got these little animals and insects doing wise things. Uh, the ants are a people not strong, yet they prepare their meat in the summer. The conies are but a feeble folk, yet they make their houses in the rocks. These the are locus, badgers, kind of, uh, when you talk exactly. about badgers. Okay, go ahead. I Verse 26. Sure. I mean, just like this, um, ants are really smart, you know, uh, <laughs> and yet uh, they're just a tiny little creature. These badger-like things uh, build houses in rocks. Locusts have no king, yet they go forth, all of them, by bands or like in groups, like soldiers organized. Uh, the spider weaves webs with her hands and is in king's palaces. I mean, Bert, it's just amazing. Well, for one thing, I think the created order gives glory to God. It does, I Alex. He's the designer. But again, the 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 writer of this proverb, what can we learn from these people? The ant? Be prepared. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, the, the badger, uh, he may be feeble, but he climbs and has his abilities and uses those abilities to build his home in safe places. The locusts, they don't have to have a king telling them. God's yeah. given them what they need to do what they do. God's given us. Notice what happened when God sent his children into the promised land. Let me see. There wasn't a king, Alex. Uh, mm -hmm. There were 12 different tribes. Now, three of them, or half a tribe, stayed on one side of the river. I know that. And others went on the other side. But, you know, God wanted them. It kind of it reminds me of, of kind of a, a, a democracy. A, a yes, it was a theocracy, but it was yes. the people obeying God, you know, which would bring us into the idea of not a not a democracy, but a people group of people uh, responsible for themselves 
and acting upon that. And when you read this, that's what you get. You get a person that should be responsible for for their activities, for their preparation, and not looking for everybody else, but looking to see what God's given them and using it mm. wisely. Well, you know, at the beginning of this chapter, uh, Edgar, he says, I'm a brutish man or, or really animal-like. I'm not all that smart, and yet here's all this wisdom. And then it goes on and it concludes with some animal things. I, I just think it's interesting how there's kind of a parallel there. And listen, we don't want to be, uh, you know, for lack of a better word, and I don't use this word much, but we don't want to be stupid. We want to be wise. Now, i got to say this. Bert, you know I love animals growing up on a farm. Oh, my goodness. And even chickens have a mind and can think. Because when we would come in there and we had these automatic chicken feeders and we were going to throw the breaker box and run the chicken feed down the aisles. Oh, my goodness. When we came in to turn on that chicken feed, 30,000 hens would look at my dad and me like, oh, boy, here it comes. We're going to get fed. Do you know... Uh, doesn't it amaze you, and I, and I give God the glory, the created world, um, the birds fly south for the winter and then go back. Um, animals, they they can think. And I, I look at all this, like it says, locusts go forth like soldiers in, you know, squadrons. Um, God made it all. It, and isn't that something? All you right. mean these, you, you, you don't, Alex, you don't believe in Darwinian evolution? Hey, listen. <laughs> That's we've set never, up, by the way. Yeah, we've never seen chaos. Yeah, amen. Chaos is not the mother of order. That's right. And, and you know what? What's amazing is, all right, we do this radio show, and there's some computers involved. And humanity has invented some impressive things, I suppose. But you look at a spider on the wall, like 28, who knows where to go, finds place, creates the silk, builds the web, there's not a computer man ever made to equal even the uh, engineering of an insect. Oh, man. And, the honeybee is one of oh, the most word. majestic, uh, call them insects, animals, how they build and what they make. And, and again, yes. it's talking about the spider, the locust, uh, the badger, and, and, and the ant. What we learn from them, again, Alex, one of the things we learn is what you just said. God is the designer, and he has put it into them to be able to do that. He's put it into us to need him. And then when we have him in our lives, we can do great exploits. That's the whole idea. Well, and, you know, like Agur makes lists here. says there are three things which go well, yea, four that are comely in going. In, in other words, impressive, appropriate, striking. Okay, what are some of the things that are just, uh, you can't not notice them? A lion, strongest among the beasts, and turns not away for any. A greyhound, this is a type of horse, by the way, verse 31. A horse, a he-goat. All right, these three things are impressive, but you know what's more so? A king against whom there is no rising up. Now, this way of riding, you know, it's like, I'm going to tell you three things that are impressive and four that are just amazing. This is an interesting literary device, a way that he makes lists to drive points home. And maybe this is kind of unusual to our ears, but there's some of the beautiful structure here in Proverbs. But uh, again, he said he was a brutish man, but he was going to try to apprehend truth. And I guess here's my point. You know, God made us to, we're made in the image of God, Genesis 1.27. And we're made to know truth. And not only that, the one who is truth, God himself. And here's my point, Burton. I want your comment. If the animals can do what they were put here to do, then how much more so should we human beings put what we were put here to do? Our purpose. Friend, your purpose is to know the Lord Jesus, and he has a plan for your life. And and it could be one of a thousand things, building a home, getting a degree, being in business, wh whatever. But, Bert, here's the thing that we I, I take away from this. If, if even the ants and insects fulfill 
what the good Lord put him here to do. Shouldn't we human beings fulfill what the good Lord put us here to do? I agree with you fully. And this one in 29 through 31, notice what it's referring to. It even says it in verse 29 about the they, they are stately in their walk. In other mm-hmm. words, they're walking. When you walk, you take one step at a time, and, and it's stately. In other words, you're going in the right direction. Uh, your eyes are focused on, on the aim that you're going for. The New Testament talks about the man who is plowing and looking back. He's not worthy of the kingdom. And so we're to look to see what God has for these. All of these are looking forward. They're going forward in their walk. Are we going forward in our walk with our eyes on Jesus? Uh, you know, the the Bible talks about Hebrews, you know, in the book of Romans, it talks about our eyesight and where we're going and the direction we're going. And that's what we're asking you today. What direction are you going? Are you going the direction that God has for you? Uh, these animals had enough uh, instinct that God had put in them to fulfill their purpose, and they were going in that direction. And this is what we're asking you to do. Make sure you know God's purpose for your life. First, it is to be born again, to ask Jesus Christ to forgive you of your sin and ask him to be Lord of your life because he has overcome He has overcome sin and death. And right now, he wants you to be saved. And so the whole idea here is what direction are you going? Uh, are you fulfilling God's purpose in your life? As Alex has so well mm. said, these animals are fulfilling their purpose for what God had created them for. You need to fulfill God's purpose in your life. And if you need help with that, there's a, a ministry group we work with. Uh, it's Triple Eight Need Him. It's Need Him. They're, they'll help you. They'll talk with you. They'll pray with you. If you're not certain and you're not sure, call them. Triple Eight Need Him. And so we want you in the right direction. So guess what? Your destination will be in heaven. Go ahead, mm. Alex. Well said. Well, it concludes two verses. If thou hast done foolishly in lifting up thyself, or if thou hast thought evil, lay thy hand upon thy mouth. See, there's there's space for repentance. Agar, this self-reflection, this humility. Have we've done foolishly, if we've pridefully lifted ourselves up, if we have uh, thought something evil, uh, then what do we do? We put our hand on our mouth and we say, God, forgive us. Now, it's interesting. Verse 33 is a, a rather unusual verse. And, Bert, I'm going to tell you what I have tried to study uh, in searching it out, and you tell me what you think. Surely the churning of milk brings forth butter, and the wringing of the nose brings forth blood. In other words, uh, hey, if you uh, punch somebody in the nose, it, it might bleed. So the forcing of wrath brings forth strife. I honestly think that verse 33 is a warning if you don't heed verse 32. I agree. So if, if you sin and you speak wrong, do wrong, you better pause, cover up your mouth, and, and think about what you're doing, because if you don't, uh, there might be wrath, could be a little physical altercation. Uh, I think 33 is kind of a warning of the consequences of not doing right. You are right on. Notice the first words in verse 33, for as. In other words, it's tying mm. you back to verse 32. That's what you're always trying to do when you're studying Scripture. Uh, see what's going on there. Look around it and see if there's a connection. There's that connection. Trust the Lord. Ask Him to be your, He is your Creator. Let Him be your Redeemer. Ask Him into your life. Alex, we're going to take questions in the next uh, segment. We're looking forward to that. Yes. And we want you to call this number for your Bible question, 888-589-8840. What does the American Family Association stand for? AFA upholds the truth that all human beings, including the unborn, are created in the image of God and are worthy of life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. These values and more are part of our mission to inform, equip, and activate individuals to strengthen the moral foundations of our culture. We also support the church. We want to be a leading organization in biblical worldview training for cultural transformation. Thank you for standing with us. 
Well, hello, everyone, and welcome to Washington Watch. Coming up on this Friday edition of Washington Watch, last week... No more tolerance for abusive actions by monopolies. But is it really just another power grab by the federal government? Parents are not happy with classroom indoctrination and the radical policies they're pushing. Washington Watch, weekday afternoons at 4 Central and Saturday evenings at 6 Central on American Family Radio. Then Elisha prayed and said, O Lord, please open his eyes that he may see. My name is Abraham Hamilton III, and this is the Hamilton Minute. One morning, Elisha's young servant went out first thing and saw the Syrian army surrounding Elisha's hometown. The servant was racked with fear and cried out to Elisha, What will we do? Elisha said, Don't be afraid. There are more with us than are with them. Then Elisha prayed, Lord, Open this young man's eyes. The servant then saw the mountain full of horses and chariots of fire. As opposition mounts in our lives, fear not. The Lord who is in us and with us is greater than the hostility present in the world. Listen each weekday from 5 to 6 p.m. Central for The Hamilton Corner with Abraham Hamilton III, public policy analyst for the American Family Association. This is Dr. Stephen Rummage with today's Moving Forward Minute. The disciples asked Jesus in Luke chapter 2, verse 1, Lord, teach us to pray. As a kid, I listened to adults in my church pray. Some of them used fancy words I didn't understand. I learned when I was an adult that some of the words they used, they didn't even understand. They just thought they were good words to use when they were praying. Prayer is simply talking to God. You don't have to use super spiritual words or a special formula when you pray. Jesus gave us a pattern for prayer, but he left the specifics to us. Look at Jesus' prayers or Paul's prayers or Peter's prayers, and you'll see that there are all kinds of ways to pray. So don't be shy. Just talk to God today. He loves to hear from you. For more resources, visit movingforwardradio.org. Join me every Sunday morning at 830 Central for Moving Forward right here on AFR. Beloved, we are now children of God, and what we will be has not yet been revealed. We know that when Christ appears, we will be like Him, for we will see Him as He is. And everyone who has this hope in Him purifies himself just as Christ is pure. 1 John 3, 2 and 3. American Family Radio. Welcome back to Exploring the Word on American Family Radio. You're my defender. Well, this is the part of Exploring the Word where we open up the telephone lines and we love to hear from you. The number is 888-589-8840, 888-589-8840 with your Bible questions. And uh, Bert, I've loved the book of Proverbs. Tomorrow, folks, we're going to be in a very, very famous chapter, Proverbs 31, very well-known part of God's Word. So you might want to read ahead and prepare for Wednesday. Exactly. We're looking forward to that, but we're also looking forward to the phone calls that we uh, people are calling in. So the first state we're going to is Texas. Jeff, welcome. Thank you very much. Go right ahead. It's uh, good to have you today, man. Okay. Thank you. Uh, sometime back, a popular pastor, I won't call his name, uh, put out a video saying that um, when uh, the Pharisees brought the lady caught in adultery to him, um, you know, he bent down and, and wrote in the sand. That part of the scriptures this pastor is saying is not in the early manuscripts. And my question is, if they're not in their early manuscripts, how do we respond to that? Can we trust that? Thank you, Jeff. Uh, there's other passages that have come across, and if you get certain reference Bibles, it'll show you uh, which, you know, they'll talk about the manuscripts that are there. 
Uh, there's a little bit of discrepancy, but very little, and this is one of them that's not in some. Now, when they talk about early manuscripts, that's as good as they think they're getting, Alex. You know, uh, it, it, there's some even discrepancies on which ones were early and which one were later, you know. Well, there's a couple of um, ways that they look at the manuscripts. Um, some, they talk about what's called the majority text, where they, is this or that gospel story in the, the most manuscripts? And then others look at what are called, you know, the early manuscripts. But there, there is question about uh, does early necessarily mean better? Now, in uh, John 7 is this story, uh, John 7 and 8. Uh, I, I think it belongs, and here, here's the thing. Um, the New Testament comes to us through like 30,000 fragments, portions, manuscripts, and then there are, from early church correspondence, hundreds of thousands of verse allusions. Uh, early church leaders took it as legitimate. So let me just say that uh, when they'll say like, a, well, we've got a manuscript that is older, well, that in itself is an assumption. I mean, the, the dating of manuscripts is not for sure, and also um, we don't know what, uh, you know, is it a complete manuscript? So the bottom line based on, and, and let me say this is a, a question of canonicity, and there's a couple of really good books. One, I would recommend a wonderful book by Norm Geisler uh, and William Nix, N-I-X, How We Got the Bible from God to Man. Great book. Another uh, by a person named Lightfoot. Um, another book on how we got the Bible. But Bert, here's the thing. We've got every verse from Matthew to Revelation that is attested in one or, uh, or other witnesses. And when they say a witness, they're talking about a manuscript or a parchment or a, or a, you know, codex, which is a collection of New Testament books. And besides that, we've got it affirmed in early church correspondence. Uh, my, my point is, marginal notes notwithstanding, you can trust your Bible. Jeff, uh, again, that's one of those things, and it is a consistency, though. There's not like, okay— this doesn't fit. It fits into that passage because it talks about each one of them went away. It was just a little bit of that that they said, oh, it wasn't in that. But they went away from the youngest, you know, to the oldest or, you know, throwing down their rocks. And so I, I think you can say, listen, there are enough manuscripts to say that this should be in there. I think it should give you confidence, as Alex said. Next, we want to go to Mississippi and talk to Jerry. Jerry, welcome. Yes, uh, uh, Bert, uh, let me ask you a question. Uh, when Jesus was talking to Peter, uh, he asked the question, lovest thou me more than these? What was the these he was referring to? Okay, good question, Jerry. That's Alex, it is a great question. I, Alex, I was I was put that there was two possibilities. Uh, he was, what did he go back to do? Fish. Uh, do you mm -hmm. love me more than you do these? And not necessarily the fish themselves, but this occupation. He said, I'm going to make you fishers of men. Uh, it's a lot easier to be fishers of fish than it is being fishers of men. Do you, do you really love this more than you love me? Or the other is, talking about the other apostles, do you love me more than them? Uh, going back to him saying, they may deny you, but I'll never deny you. Alex, yeah. those are the two possibilities that I've read. I lean toward uh, the correction that Jesus has given him uh, you know, they love me, too. Uh, they love me well, uh, Peter. I think Jesus is saying that to him. Yeah, this is in John chapter 21, and it's it's just, it really is amazing. And, you know, they had uh, seen the, uh, the resurrection. They had fished, and then uh, Jesus uh, enabled them to catch so many fish they couldn't bring it in. Um, there's not only the vocation of fishing, but it became very lucrative. And let me say, whether it's uh, our 
chosen career path or whether it's the people around us or even our, uh, you know, where we live. We've got to love Jesus supremely more than any of these things. And so that's why Christ, he said, look, feed my lambs, feed my sheep, feed my sheep, John 17, because knowing Christ and serving Christ, these have got to be the highest priority in our lives. And Jerry, one of the most amazing things, Jesus Three times he asked him that. Three times Peter had denied him. Uh, the first two times, do you, uh, you know, agape love me? But the last time, do you even phileo? You know, Jesus brought it down to his level. And it that is one of the most, uh, I, I would say, Alex, when you study that passage, there's more sermons and more teaching in that than I've, I've even began to try to, to cover but, Jerry, thank you for that great call and great question. Let's go to Texas. Welcome, Dennis. Hello. Uh, first of all, I want to thank uh, you, Alex, and Bert, both for doing the work of God. That is awesome. Thank you, Dennis. God thank you, man. Good. He is good all the time. Oh, yeah. Well, I, just, I have a couple of quick questions. I know you're very limited on time. One, uh, I totally concur that the book of Proverbs is, is full of wisdom on, on how we should live our life today. But there are so many people that go around saying, oh, that's Old Testament. That really doesn't apply to us. What do you guys have to say to that? Great question. I tried, if you heard me teaching, and Alex as well, but I purposely did it. I referred back to the New Testament. I did it, I think, three times today. I referred back again and again to the New Testament that demonstrates the proof and the truth of Proverbs. And and again, I it is relevant. The Old Testament is relevant. Yes, it uh what what would the new what would we know about the New Testament if it wasn't for the Old Testament, Alex? Well, not nearly as much as we really know now. I mean, um I've heard people say that the Old Testament is the soundtrack music. To the New Testament. Hey, but you know something? Let me just say this, Bert. You know, Matthew 5 through 7 is the Sermon on the Mount. And, you know, blessed are the merciful. And a lot of times liberals and those that are not really, you know, gospel-oriented, they'll say, well, you know, I accept the Sermon on the Mount as the, the true message of Jesus. Okay, good. Then you'll accept verse 17 of Matthew 5. Do not think that I'm come to destroy the law of the prophets. I'm not come to destroy or abolish, but to fulfill. For verily I say, till heaven and earth pass away, not one jot or tittle will pass from the law till it all be fulfilled. And so uh, the, the new covenant, Christ paid for our sins, and we don't have to sacrifice lambs on a temple altar. But Bert, uh, when it comes to salvation, obviously we accept what Christ did on the cross, but that doesn't abolish Old Testament truth from being uh, lived and and the holiness of God being acknowledged and living righteously. I mean, doesn't just give us the right to live any which way merely because we're believers in Jesus, does it? Amen, Alex. Salvation has always, from Adam to the very last person to be saved, will be grace through faith. Abraham pleased God by faith. Noah built that ark by faith. Moses received what God had said, going back into that land, after that burning bush, teaching that by faith. There's not a single person, uh, adult, that's been born again, that hasn't been saved by grace through faith. And that's from the beginning to the end. And uh, don't don't tell me, oh, God changed, uh, you know, the way that he deals with man. No, God deals with man that way. The Old Testament reveals some of God. We see it in creation. We see it in his order. We see it in the law. We see it in the prophets. But then Hebrews said in these final days, He's revealed to himself through his son, Jesus Christ. But it was God's revelation to us, but it's always by grace through faith. Dennis, Amen. thank you, man. And let's go for probably the final call of the day. Uh, we go to Louisiana and talk to Richard. Richard, welcome. How you do, sir? We're doing Good. well today. How's things? Good. What part of Louisiana are you from? 
northwest. Okay. Well, listen, well, I, do, y'all, do y'all still get some of the Cajun food up that way, or you just let the southern part of Louisiana take care of that? No, sir, we get that Cajun food. Look, I had to learn <laughs> to eat anything that don't eat me first. Uh, that's what I've heard. <laughs> hey, man, Richard, it's good to have you. You got a question for us, brother? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. I don't hear much about soul winning, and I thank the Lord for both of you two that uh, stand on the Word of God for everything y'all do and say. I ha- I'm a preacher of a church in these piney woods. And maybe I've been in there too long, but I preach on soul winning. I do soul winning. Church people are getting saved in our church. But it seemed like it's been going out by the wayside. Am I wrong, or is it still very active among big churches? Richard, I'm not sure you're wrong. Uh, Alex, we love you, you brother. You're the, uh, we love you. Alex, you're the evangelist. You go that first. Let me respond maybe from a pastor's point of view. You go first, though. Well, to quote John Wesley, he said, we have nothing to do but the saving of souls. And the church in every generation, yes, we must be soul winners and share the gospel with lost people. That's our job description. It is. And and what happened, let me say, uh, D. James Kennedy, evangelism explosion. You know, I, I can't remember if he started in 60s or 70s, but he started during that period of time soul winning uh and and it came across southern baptist adopted into you know going out and sharing similar things but the day richard of people going and knocking on doors and sharing the gospel that has changed dramatically and what happened at the secret church and i'm not criticizing trying to criticize anything that you know people say well, I don't uh, like the way you do evangelism. The question is, well, how do you do it, you know? And, Amen. And, and Amen. so the whole idea is seeker-friendly came along, and, and the pastor started saying, if you'll invite them, we'll share with them how to be saved. And, uh, Alex, I think that did take – I mean, that, I'm glad we could do that, but it took some of the responsibility of us being witnesses going out from. Have you heard that there's a difference in – that the great commission says go it doesn't say come wow that's true and and also let me say and and i know this from you know when i first became a believer in the late 80s but um there was this thing about well you don't want to offend anybody and i've had people say to me i've had a couple of men over the years kind of pull me aside and they said look this thing about talking to people about their soul you know it's just impolite and um, who are we to presume that they may or may not be lost? Let's just be nice, and you know God will lead people to church on His terms, not ours. Well, M- Matthew sixteen—I'm I'm sorry, Matthew twenty-eight, eighteen through twenty—make disciples of all nations. Mark sixteen, fifteen: preach the gospel to every creature. Um, the Bible doesn't say um, silence your voice because you might offend somebody. Now, we're not to be argumentative or offensive, but my Lord said, go and tell. Now, how they respond, that's between them and the Lord. But we are to be soul winners, witnesses, evangelists, call it what you will. But if if I heard one preacher say, Bert, and I want your response, but one preacher said, um, either we're sharing the gospel or we're in disobedience. Uh, that I would have to say that is a true statement. Now, how you do that, listen, uh, just let your light so shine before men that they'll see your good works and glorify your Father who's in heaven and your verse as an apology, uh, apologist be ready to give an account of, of your faith when people mm-hmm. ask you. Uh, be ready. Uh, let's, let's let our light shine before men and let our walk and our talk match up to glorify Christ. Mm. Well, Alex, we'll do chapter 31 of Proverbs tomorrow, finishing it up. But what a way to finish it up. It kind of a climax. It's a crescendo, isn't it? Well, it really is. And folks, we thank you for listening to Exploring the Word in the American Family Radio Network. Do something. Tell somebody about this program, but most of all, tell everybody about Jesus. Jesus.